Welcome to 2023 with the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois, First Love Ministries. Today, we get to enjoy a sermon from pastoral assistant John Nelson. He has titled his sermon, God Equips the Called. We also get the pleasure of hearing a piano duet for our opening music titled, Shine On Me, and it's performed by Tim and Ruth Chipman. Our scripture reading is taken from Revelations 21, 1-6a, and the scripture reading comes to us from Matthew 25, 31-66. We get to enjoy the duet of Tim and Ruth Chipman again for a special music titled, O Come All Ye Faithful. We here at First Presbyterian Church and the First Love Ministry pray that you have a, a year full of joy and peace and good health, both spiritually and physically. May God be with you and your family, neighbors, and friends. reading this morning is from Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 6a. Let us listen to the word of God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega 
the beginning and the end. This is the word of the Lord. The Gospel reading for today is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Let us listen to the Word of God. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. And the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you 
hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into, eternal, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do this to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Here ends the reading of our Gospel. Happy New Year! I think I said this the last time we stood here. I was up last night to watch midnight come in in the East Coast, Midwest, and even in the mountain time. Out in Idaho, they drop a potato. It was interesting. But anyway, the last time I was here, I talked about how Advent is a season of preparation. And we are supposed to be preparing for Christmas for the coming of the baby. So, how did you all do? Did you do okay? We pretty much got everything done. But it seems there's always one more thing that just doesn't get done. And when the day is over, we go, oh, we should have done that. Preparations aren't always perfect. Since we're all gathered here this morning, I think the other preparations are still in progress the preparations to make, to make things ready for when Jesus comes again. Because I think when he comes again, we won't be sitting here. Something much better will be going on. And so the readings today talk about that time of preparation or that time of Jesus' return. The first one from Revelation is more of an apocalyptical language deals in images and dreams and just kind of wild and far out things. But the reading from Matthew, more down to earth, more kind of like I envision things. That all the nations, all the people of the nations of the world are gathered together and Jesus is the judge. And he separates some on one side, others on the other side. The righteous are together, and the unrighteous are together. Let me read for you again about what Jesus said to the righteous. So the king said to those who are at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, 
and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw all of this? When I worked for the Boy Scouts of America, I learned a few things about messaging with people. And one of the things that they taught us is that it takes about seven times to say something before it really sinks into people. And those of you who have been in business and have gone through business trainings have probably heard much of the same thing. Those of us who have raised kids think that the seven is probably a small number. That we have to say things many more times before they get it. But it's true. We have to hear things more than once. And that fact did not escape Matthew as he wrote the Gospel. Because in our Gospel reading, that which I read to you, it's actually repeated three more times. So that's four times. I read it again, that's five. So we're well on our way to our seven. But I want to take this scripture apart a little bit and analyze it. Well, I turn to a higher source, a commentary. Some, some people who have spent their lives studying what words mean. And for them, they had... Three, three definitions of righteous. The righteous are those who pride themselves in their virtues, whether real or imagined. I like that. Um, the second one, the righteous are those who are innocent, faultless, and guiltless. And the third one, the righteous are those whose actions are wholly conformed to the will of God. Now, if I look at myself, I can see that I fit the definition. Some or most of the time. Certainly not all of the time. But then let's look a little bit closer at those being judged. Did they know that this is what the, the, the criteria were for being judged? I don't think so. Because the righteous seemed surprised. They said, when was it? that we saw you hungry and thirsty and naked and in prison. They didn't know. They didn't know. And when we look at the unrighteous, it was the same thing. They said, when did we see you naked and, and in prison and hungry and thirsty? They didn't know. So where did this motivation come from? Again, I turned to my friends at the commentary, and they said that the good things that people were doing for other people came from love, came from grace, came from mercy. Love, grace, mercy. Who does that sound like? Sounds like God. Simple verse, God is love. Absolute truth. God is the source of love and grace and mercy. And so when these, the righteous did these good things, they weren't doing it knowing that they were going to get a reward. They did it because it was the right thing to do. Because as they had felt God's love, they knew that that was the right thing to do. 
And not only was it something that they didn't expect a return from God, but they also didn't expect a return from the people that they helped. The people that Jesus was talking about that were receiving the help were people who were not able to help themselves, let alone return the favor. So what about us? What does all this say about us? What does this mean for us today? I have a few questions for you to ponder. First, perhaps we need to examine our motives for the things that we say and do. Why is it that we do what we do? Perhaps we need to look around and see where the needs are. In some ways, the unrighteous may not be totally at fault. They're just not observant. They didn't realize that there were people around them who were in need. And since they didn't realize that those people needed anything, why should they help them? Perhaps we need to take a gift inventory of ourselves. A gift inventory is where we sit down and we take a hearty look at ourselves. What am I good at? What am I not good at? Where has God blessed me that I can share these things with others? And where do I not have those gifts to share? And the last question, perhaps we need to listen to God to lead us into new things. We just celebrated Christmas, and I'm sure we all saw a lot of gifts. And I'm also sure that most of those gifts were in boxes. And so if we think about our gifts, being in boxes, maybe sometimes we need to open that box and let those gifts out. Now, as I've gotten older, I have looked back on my life and kind of re-examined where I thought I was going to go when I was younger and where I actually ended up. Kind of interesting, because they don't look alike at all. Okay, a little bit of my history. I was first called into ministry when I was 14 years old. From that point on, I was making an effort to gear my education and my life toward being a full-time pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Now, they have a wonderful system for training uh, pastors and teachers. And so I was during my high school career, to fit into that mold, which meant I took four years of German, because Lutherans are German, at least my branch was, and that was very important. So that when I got to college, that was one less thing I had to take. I was able to pass out of the German requirement, and I could then concentrate on Hebrew and Greek. That was a blessing. And so I worked hard at that, and I worked hard at my other coursework. Graduated from college with a bachelor's degree. 
it, it's, a draw, it's a broad general art, liberal arts degree that I have. I have no undergraduate major. So when I thought about going into teaching, I had to do two things. I had to um, follow the teaching, teacher ed requirements, but I asked to also had to fulfill enough work in a course area to have a major, because that was required for the certification. Then it didn't pan out for me. But as I got into seminary, I had to do an internship. The internship that kind of fell into my lap, so to speak, I think it was really a gift from God, but we'll, we'll just say it fell into my lap for now. Um, it was in Yellowstone National Park, Wyoming. Marsh and I spent about 16 months out there. We came back with um, one prize souvenir, our daughter, Emily, and many other memories and a realization that there were other Christians out there besides those in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Because that ministry is an interdenominational ministry supported by over 40 denominations. In Yellowstone, we had a staff of about 45 different college and seminary students from all backgrounds. And Marsha and I had to open our eyes and work with these people. And to work with these people as partners in ministry. That was something new for me. I'd done all my training in a Lutheran institutions from kindergarten to eighth grade and then from all through college and the first couple of years of seminary. It's a little difficult for this little Lutheran boy. But I managed to adapt and it taught me something. It taught me how to work with other people of other faiths, which really has paid off well um, after seminary. Um, I never did make it to being a full-time parish pastor as I thought I would be in, at 14. But the ministry that we did in Yellowstone was a worker-priest ministry, a tent-maker ministry. Um, we had to work a regular job and do our ministry in, on the side. The only way you can stay in a national park for more than two weeks is to work there. And so we worked there. Um, but as I graduated from seminary, and we had some difficult times with church bodies, learning that all of you are just as Christian as all of us that grew up Lutheran. That, that's kind of a hard thing for some people in the Lutheran church to understand. And working in interdenominational ministry like that paved the way for me to go into chaplaincy. Because as a chaplain, I deal with the spiritual issues of anyone and everyone, not just Christians, but we have to deal with Islam, Judaism, just anything else that might be out there, or atheists, or Wiccans, or just anything, because we're supposed to provide spiritual support. So I did that. Now, in my retirement, the first time I've ever really been full-time in a parish, doing parish ministry. New thing for me, like mid-60s mid and I start that out. That's where I thought I was going to be when I was 14. 
through the course of my life, I did many inventory, gift inventories. I had to, because things weren't working out like they planned. I mean, not, not like I'd planned it out. Things kept getting different. And all those boxes that the gifts came in, they kept getting crushed and broken. And so I had to move outside the box. And that was really a good thing for me. Because I'm a totally different person than I was when I was 14. And you all can be thankful for that. (laughs) Because when I was 14, this scared me to death. Now it just scares me a little bit. But through my time in training, through my time in prayer and listening to God, where God wanted me to be, I left the boxes behind. I left behind what I thought were my strengths because I kept finding that what I thought was not my strength really was my strength. But I didn't, do that. I didn't figure that out from doing a gift inventory. I did that because God called me to do something I didn't think I could do. And that's really where God wants us to be. He wants us to know what we can do, but not to limit ourselves to what we think we can do. Because God will call us to do what he needs us to do. I have a saying that's framed in my office. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. Think about that the next time you're doing a gift inventory. God may be opening a door to you. Walk through. God will take care of the rest. If you found this podcast inspirational and would like to support the First Love Ministry programs at First Presbyterian Church, please send any contributions to First Presbyterian Church at 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois. Our zip code is 62650. Our phone is 217-245-4189. You can contact our secretary there between the hours of 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. Our email is office at firstpresjacks.org. That's office at f-i-r-s-t-p-r-e-s-j-a-x dot o-r-g. Masks are now optional anywhere in the church. Our in-person church services start at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Access to our online church service starts at 9.55 a.m. You can listen to these live services on our Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash first, F-I-R-S-T, P-R-E-S Jacks. You can join our Facebook group called First Presbyterians with a Purpose. We have a choir that meets from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday night and we welcome all who are willing to sing. 
we look forward to hearing from you either by email mail or phone God bless and may you have a peaceful and safe year